No, we're so glad that you're here. As you know, we, uh, today we conclude our month-long series that we have entitled Love Handles. Uh, we did it last year, and we, uh, the sequel or part two was this year, and so this is the last Sunday of February. Can you believe that? That's crazy. But it's also leap year, so we get an extra day, I believe, in February, so that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, but so we thank you just for joining us this morning. But more than that, we're, we hope that these past three weeks you have taken something from it, from the messages, and hopefully you're becoming better because of it, right? Hopefully you're taking the portion. You may not remember everything, but maybe just one, one scripture or one phrase or one practical point, like that spoke to you and you take that and you, and you put that in your back pocket and just, it's just there. And so we know that you're not going to remember everything, but still, hopefully you're getting what you need on that day. And so uh, it being the, kind of the closure today, I'm going to talk about of a lot. I'm going to talk about a, lo- uh, a lot of things, and we're going we're gonna to try to make a good stew today, okay? And hopefully by the end of our time together this morning, the stew is just right. So uh, if you go with me to the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to read the entire chapter. I know, please keep the excitement down. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. There's only 13 verses, so chapter 13 has 13 verses. We can do this. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'll be reading from the NIV version this morning. And it reads like this. This is Paul. And some of these scriptures are going to be like, hey, we've talked about these the past three weeks. Yes, yes, we have. So verse 1 says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can phantom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Verse 4, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. Verse 5, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it is not easily angered, it is not easily angered. I see some, some spouses elbowing their spouse. All right, keep your hands to yourself, amen. <laughs> it is not easily um, Easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Verse 8, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. They will come to an end. Where there are tongues, they will be still. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness, wholeness comes, what, what is in part disappears. Verse 11, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the, way, put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Verse 13, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is is love. Amen. And so just out of curiosity, is there anybody here that has been married more than 40 years? You can raise your hand. Right here. Okay. 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 Anybody been married more than 50 years? 45? 43? 
46? Anybody top 46? 47? 47. Wow. Come on. Come. <laughs> That's incredible. Is it, has anybody here been married less than a year? Or you forgot already? Over here? Less than a year? Sweet. Come on. Let's. Woo! So 47 years and uh, less than a year married. And then all the rest of us are in between, right? It's crazy. That's, that's a lot of wisdom, right? And a lot of stories that we're, we're going to get to walk through and get to tell. And so that's just, that's amazing. That's beautiful. And so I don't have stories. I don't have personal stories that I would like to share with you <laughs> I don't. Uh, but I do have some quotes uh, that people have said about being married. And so let me just share those with you. Someone once said, marriage is like a walk in the park. Jurassic Park. <laughs> so Clint Eastwood said, marriages are made in heaven, but so again are lightning and thunder. <laughs> music played at a wedding always reminds me of the music played for soldiers before they go into battle. <laughs> That's a good one. We were married for better or worse. I couldn't have done better, and she couldn't have done worse. <laughs> uh, someone said, some mornings I wake up grouchy. Other mornings I just let him sleep in. It, you'll get it. You'll get it. You'll get it. Some, sometimes, some, uh, some mornings I wake up grouchy. Other mornings I just let him sleep. Lord, may they receive that revelation this morning. <laughs> Some people ask the secret of our long, long marriage. We, and this is the secret. We take time to go to a restaurant two times a week. A little candlelight dinner, some soft music, and dancing. She goes on Tuesdays and I, she goes on Tuesdays and I go on Fridays. <laughs> uh, my, my last one. Okay, last one. The grand finale. My wife is really sentimental. One Valentine's Day, I gave her a ring, and to this day, she has never forgotten those three little words that were engraved inside, made in Taiwan. <laughs> but I want to use uh, the passages, especially 4, 5, 6, and 7, uh, for, as our foundation this morning for everything that we're going to talk about today. It's only those four verses mainly, but there's so much in there for us to dig and to digest, really. And so before we go any further, you must know that the type of love that Paul is speaking of here is not just any kind of love, okay? But it is referring to the love known as agape, or if you want to pronounce it as agape, that's up to you. But it's this love known as agape, one that loves unconditionally and not expecting anything in return. But I think an easier way to explain it, at least for me... Uh, to really fully grasp the significance of this type of love, uh, uh, it, is to, uh, it is to call it this divine love. So that's what we're talking about today, divine love. Why do I say d divine? Because you can only love this way if you have known the Father, okay, and have a relationship with the Father. So I wrote it down like this. Divine love is a result of aligning to the one, Okay. Divine love, what Paul is talking about in chapter 13, divine love is a result of aligning to the one. You can use the word surrender, commitment, submission, however, whatever word fits best your vocabulary, but I want to use the word aligning to the one. And so we can only live out 
this type of love, having the love of the Father in us. And now we have to keep in mind that this chapter is to the believers, to the believers in Corinth, okay? So meaning it is to every one of us and it is not exclusive to those in marriage or in a relationship. So for those that started to think that this message was just for those in a marriage or relationship, it's not. This message is for every one of us that consider ourselves believers of Jesus Christ. This is the type of love that we are challenged by Paul and Christ to live out with those around us. Okay, And in, verse, and in four verses, it is unequivocally a tall task to live out in the kind of world that we are living in. In this verse, 4, or five, four five, 6, and 7, we have 14, you find 14 characteristics uh, that are mentioned about this divine love. So I'll say this. Divine love is not for the weak. Divine love is not for the weak. Let's face it. Divine love is not for the weak. L- loving the way Paul talks about it is not for the weak. Let's get real. Divine love is not for the immature. Divine love is not for the immature. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It's not for the immature. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts always hopes and always perseveres. Divine love is not for the weak. Divine love is not for the immature. Because the truth is, most of us will stop at love is patient, right? And then it's game over for us. And then we don't even get to the other 13 characteristics. We just stop at love is patient. We don't even get to the kind or does not envy. It's game over for us. But this is the love that we should be living out every day of our lives. Again, isn't that a tall task? And yet Jesus is the perfect example of this divine love. So the question arises, can you and I live out this type of divine love? And the short answer is yes. The long answer is, can you stay aligned to the Father's will every single day? The long answer is yes, but can you stay aligned, stay aligned to the Father's will every single day? Because in case you were wondering if this type of love will flow out of you effortlessly the moment you gave your life to Christ and it wouldn't be a struggle anymore, I have to inform you. That's not the case. See, the moment you gave your life to Christ, what happened was now there is a source, okay? There is a source now in your life where the divine love can be drawn from. Now when you give your life to Christ, now there is a source where we can draw the divine love from. In other words, now you found the source. You found the source. And now that you have found the source, the next step for you is to align yourself to the source long enough so that you are filled with this divine love. So it's not just about knowing Christ, but it's staying aligned to him long enough so that you are filled. It's staying aligned enough, long enough, so that you are filled, okay? Because now you know where the source is. Now you have found the source. Now you know where this divine love comes from, okay? Because you cannot give what you do not have. We've heard that. 
You cannot give what you do not have. Perhaps the problem is that we have been trying to love God's way without God. We've been trying to live out divine love, the 14 characteristics, without God. Okay? Without the help of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine how difficult that would be? And for some of us, we don't have to imagine, right? Because you and I find ourselves trying to do just that. We're trying to live out this divine love without the one. Okay? And I mean, it's already difficult to love this way with the help of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? Can I buy an amen? It's already difficult to love this way with the help of the Holy Spirit. And some of us are trying to love God's way without God. So I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. It's impossible. It's impossible to love God's way without God in your life. It's impossible for us to live out this divine love without the, the one. So, so 1 John 4, 8 reads like this. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Okay, so it's saying out of alignment, out of alignment leads us to an empty pore. So if I were to do this, right, the, 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 the objective is to stay in alignment long enough so that we are filled. But if I get out of alignment and, and the source is pouring, I'm going to make a mess up here, right? I'm going to make a mess and I don't want to do that. But I can make a mess up here being out of alignment but some of us know what that's like because our lives are a mess. We got out of alignment and now we have made a mess. And when we don't stay long enough in alignment to the will of God or to where the source comes from, we think we're being poured into and we're not. And then what happens is we go to our spouse and we try to fill her up. Fill her up. We go to our children's lives. We try to fill them up. And then we go to our friends and we're trying to fill them up. But nothing is happening we think we're doing them a favor. We think we're pouring life into them, speaking life into them. But all along, we're empty. Why? Because we didn't stay in alignment long enough to be filled. Because we got out of alignment. And we think we're pouring into other people's life and we're, we're not. Out of alignment leads to an empty pour. We think we're pouring into others. We think we're giving life to others. We think we're bringing joy to those around us. We think we are, are doing them a favor because we are giving of ourselves to them, but we're giving them nothing because we got out of alignment. There's nothing for us to pour. We are empty. We are empty. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1 through 3 says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and I have all faith as to remove mountains but have not love I am nothing and if I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love I gain nothing you cannot give what you do not have and a light bulb just clicked for some of you Maybe that's why your friendships and relationship and marriage isn't in a healthy spot. Because we're trying to love this way, God's way, on our own strength. 
Maybe that's why we have good days and, and maybe some good weeks and maybe even a, month, a good month or so. But it's just a matter of time before we enter the never-ending cycle we are in in our relationships and friendships. Maybe, this, maybe that's why friendships don't last longer than six months. Maybe relationships don't last longer than a year. And marriage is a carousel of craziness. You're just going in circles, same arguments, same attitudes, same routine, same apologies, but no change is ever made. Made. We, we, we are trying to, to live out this divine love without the divine one. And we feel drained. We feel tired because we're trying to give something from our own strength that only comes from God. We are trying to live out divine love without the divine one. So let me say this, and this is not biblical, so if you choose to forget it as soon as I say it, it's okay. You won't hurt my feelings. But the way you treat or care for your friendships is a good indicator of how your relationship and eventually marriage will be. The way you treat or care for your, friend, your friendships is a good indicator of how your relationship and eventually marriage will be. So if you happen to have new friends every six to eight months, as the youngins would say, that's a red flag. That's a red flag. You don't automatically become a good partner once you enter a relationship or a marriage. You start now. You want a trustworthy friend and a partner, then you start being one now. You want a faithful friend or partner, then start being one now. You want a friend or partner that you can feel safe around, then you start being a safe person for those now. So let me be clear. This divine love, the 14 characteristics, is not a checklist. Divine love is not a checklist. It is not a to-do list. It is not something you use to measure yourself how good you're doing in loving others. You're like, oh, love is kind. I got that. Love is patient. I got that. Love is kind. I'm almost there. I'm to the third one. It is not a checklist. Divine love is not a checklist. Divine love is a heart check. Are you with me? Divine love is not a checklist. Divine love is a heart check. Lord, how is my heart? Is there something that needs to be removed in my life? Lord, how is my heart? Is there some healing that I need, that I am needing that I don't even know? Lord, how is my heart? Is it full of life or is it leaking life in some area? Because if we turn this into a checklist, we are out of alignment with the source. It's an empty pour. It's an empty pour. And on the last verse of this chapter, Paul says, and now these three remain faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love so i thought about these three things faith hope and love but i thought about them as ingredients okay and because we are in texas and the official drink of texas is sweet tea i thought faith is the tea or hope is the sugar and love is the water and i was going to bring some tea and sugar but we went to waco a few weeks ago and they were selling that alabama sweet tea and so we bought the little box and we have the tea. And I was, so I'm saying that to say I was not going to waste some good Alabama sweet tea for an illustration. So you can just use your imagination. That's a lot cheaper. Use your imagination. But faith, faith is the tea and hope is the sugar. But love is the water. 
right? But the greatest of these is love. And so you can have the faith and hope, you can have the tea and the sugar, and that's a great start, right? That's a great start. But according to Paul and the revelation he has not only encountered but received, says love is the greatest ingredient of them all. It would not make sense unless we learn to love this way, divine love. The other ingredients, the, the tea and the sugar, they will not fuse, they will not mix together, come together the way they are intended to do so without the greatest ingredient of them all, love or high quality H2O. It's all, it's all about the love, divine love. So what if we saw divine love as an ingredient that you can add to anything and it would make it better and healthier? Whether it's a friendship or, or a relationship or marriage, that we could add this heavenly ingredient and it would make it better and healthier, this divine love. And when we, when we not just align ourselves to the source, but stay there long enough to be filled, we can then in turn step into other people's lives and pour what we have been given. And we will have enough to give and not be empty ourselves because we have not only found the source, but we have learned to stay in alignment with the source. So it's staying in alignment long enough so that we are filled, so that you are filled. And then in turn, you can, go and do, you can pour into your a spouse's Life, you can pour into your children's life. You can pour into your friendships or in your friend's life. And you will not be emptied because now you know where to go. And, how, and also to know that you, can, you have to stay aligned long enough to be poured. So that you can pour into this. You cannot give what you do not have. Which means... We are no longer trying to live out divine love without the divine one. But we're actually working together to love each other the way we are meant to do so. To love in such a way that it tells others they must be followers of Jesus. Because there is just something about them that's different. Their love in community with one another, it's different. Their marriages are different. Their, their friendships are strong. And they stick together and help each other no matter the fight that they are in. It's different. So what if we saw love as an ingredient that we could add to anything and it would make it better and healthier? Divine love divine love. And it's not about loving our way or what we think is the ideal definition of love. Here's why I say that. Any ideal definition that you and I can come up with, it's all temporary. It's all temporary. But the way we are challenged to love by Paul, that is eternal. That is eternal. So think with me real quick. If we were to love this way, Four, five, six, and seven, the 14 characteristics. If we were to love this way, there is no way the other person is not impacted in a genuine, beautiful, spiritual manner. It would lead them to the eternal one because they would think to themselves, how can he or she love me this way? We can love this way because he, for, because he first loved us. We can pour into others because he first poured into me into us. It's living out the divine love with the divine one. Divine love is not for the weak. Divine love is not for the immature. So let me speak to the marriages in the house real quick. There is this saying that people used to end, use to end a marriage or a relationship and 
And I'm sure once we say it, you'll know what I'm talking about. But the phrase is, we fell out of love. Anybody ever heard that? Okay. We fell out of love. I know you're, I, didn't, I wasn't expecting you to raise uh, your hand. We fell out of love. A friend of a friend, right? But even before I got married, that saying just never sat right with me. Like I never thought it made sense and much less a good reason to end a relationship. And obviously as we grew and, and life taught us many lessons, the root of that incorrect statement is that you stopped making deposits into your account. You stopped making deposits into your account. That if we can picture our marriages as a bank account, there has to be deposits first so that later when you need to withdraw, you know there is enough funds to cover the costs. Deposits like complimenting your spouse, Deposits like serving your spouse with love. Deposits like spend, investing quality time with each other, whether it's a simple lunch or dinner or, or, uh, dinner, at, or dinner at your favorite restaurant or date night once in a while. Deposits like praying one for another. Deposits like surprising them and doing the dishes. Deposits like having bacon for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Do not stop making deposits. Because the moment we stopped making deposits is the moment we stopped working on our marriages. Stay with me. You get paid because you worked. And now you're able to deposit something into your account. Stay with me. You get paid because you worked. And now you're able to deposit into your account. Marriage is work. A healthy marriage is work. But if you're working on the marriage, you will always have something to deposit. So the moment you stop working on your marriage, you stop making deposits. And when you need to withdraw from that account, you won't have the, suffi the sufficient funds to cover the cost. Why am I saying this? Because when we arrive to the moment that we have insufficient funds, not only is it because we stopped making deposits, because we stopped working on our marriages, but because we also moved away from the source. We're out of alignment. Somewhere along the way, we got out of alignment, and it becomes an empty pour. And we think we are pouring into our account, not knowing that there is nothing to pour out. We are empty. You fell in love. Now you get to grow in love. See, there is always room for growth in a marriage. It doesn't matter the years because you're constantly changing. Just ask your waistline. You're always constantly changing. The things you liked back then aren't the same things you liked anymore, or your hairline. The things you liked back then, stick to the script, there aren't the same things you like anymore. The priorities are different now in life. At this stage of your life, the priorities are different, and that's okay. So you're literally married to a person that is constantly changing, and let's be real, sometimes some of those changes aren't the ones that you signed up for. Are you with me? But now you get to grow in love. So keep making deposits. And in closing, I don't pretend, let me give you this disclosure, I don't pretend to know it all because I obviously don't. And I don't pretend to have the perfect marriage, but we continue to work on it as the years go by, just like everybody else. But I will say that what we have been able to cultivate is something that only God can make happen. So one of the significant deposits we make in our marriage is that twice a year we sit down, 
We literally sit down. Now, it's not just, you know, um, just, uh, I'm just saying, you know, we literally sit down and we have defining conversations and sometimes hard conversations, but we're in it together and we know that what we want and, and we know that we want our marriage to be healthy and so we take the time to talk some things out. It's needed. And so at the beginning of the year, the, the past six years that we've been married, we'll talk about what are your goals for the family or for yourself for this year. And if we happen to have a similar, similar goals, then we talk about it, okay, and, and how can we accomplish that? And we make a plan and then we get to work. So we've kind of made a routine, but by the, in the month of December, we're already thinking next year, what are our goals as a family, what are our goals as individuals, uh, and stuff like that. And then when we sit down and we talk about it, what do you feel God is leading, leading you to this year, or what are some things you would like to accomplish? And we sit down and we have those discussions. And then... And then on, and then on our anniversary, anniversary, we'll sit down. And by the way, I asked her for permission, so don't think that I'm, I'm, I'm putting her on blast. I, I forgot to say that. <laughs> Love you, babe. Uh, and so then on, <laughs> on our anniversary, we'll sit down and we'll have the conversation on how we feel the year is going and how our marriage is going. But then we also ask the hard questions. And, and I usually, I'll go first because I'm sure there's more that I need to work on than she does. And so I'll ask her. Is there something that I have stopped doing that you have noticed and that makes you feel like there is some distance between us? Is there some area that I need to pay more attention to that maybe I need to adjust some priorities in my life so that we're okay? And lastly, I'll ask her, is there something I need to change to better serve you? Those are the three questions I've asked for the past six years. I don't know where I got these from. It was just something the Lord led me to and it just become something that we've done every single year, twice a year. And some of those conversations for the past six years have been smooth. And then there have been a conversation or two that have been a little more difficult to have. But we talk it out anyways. And we figure out the middle ground and then we get to work. And the only reason I would even share that publicly is to hopefully maybe give someone an idea to sit down and have that type of conversation with the intentions of getting to work and growing in love. Okay? Part of having that type of conversation is knowing that knowing we both feel safe enough that whatever is said is with the intentions to be better for each other. It's not a time to point out our faults. And remember when you said that, and remember when you did this, that's not the point of our conversation. It's with the intentions of getting to work and growing in love. And the last thing I'll say to the marriages in here, the moment you said, I do, there is no longer a scoreboard. The moment you said, I do, there is no longer a scoreboard. You don't get to keep track of how many times you've been wronged or how many times you have been right. In a marriage, in a healthy marriage, the scoreboard does not exist. Here's why. A scoreboard is used because there are two opponents on the same field. Are you with me? The reason a scoreboard exists is because there are two opponents on the same field. There is one versus one. There is a home team versus the visiting team. That's the only reason a scoreboard exists because there are two opponents on the same field. In a marriage, there are no more opponents. You are now one on the same 
team. You do not need a scoreboard to keep track of your wins and losses. And if you feel the need to keep score, it's because maybe one of you or maybe even the both of you got out of alignment from the source. And you feel like you're the only one putting in the effort to make things work and to stay connected. But we're doing all of that on our own strength. We're trying to live out divine love without the divine one. And so we become empty pores. We're just emptying nothing. But we're doing all of that on our own strength. And the only thing that is leading us to is to feel empty. So now we feel like I did everything I could to keep us together. It's just not working. You feel like there is nothing more you can do because you are emptied out. Divine love is not for the weak. Divine love is not for the immature. Love, love does not impose rules. Stay with me. Love, divine love, does not impose rules. Love creates boundaries. There's a difference. Love does not impose rules. Love creates boundaries. Here's the difference. Love and imposing rules, it's you're having to prove your love. You're having to prove your love. Love creates boundaries, is protecting your love. Love does not impose rules, proving your love. Love creates boundaries, it's protecting your love. Marriages, where do you find yourself at this morning? Do you feel like you're always having to prove your love constantly to each other? Or are you protecting your love? Because one is the result of being empty and the other is the result of being full. Empty, I got to prove my love full. I get to protect the one I love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. So church... May we learn to live out this type of divine love with the one, with one another. And if we could do that, there would be a revolution in the 432, (laughs) if we did. So this is what I want to do today. I was going to say tonight, but this is what I want to do today. I want to pray for three specific people, okay, while you're sitting. We're going to pray, and everybody's going to repeat the prayer. That way uh, you don't feel alone or you just, as one big family. And then the team will come up and and they'll lead us in a time of worship. But these are the three types of people I want to pray for this morning. I want to pray for marriages. I want to pray for the singles. And I want to pray for the church community. So would everybody bow your your heads? And so Lord, we just pray for our marriages here at Impact City. And those that are, Lord, uh, attached to, to this house. Lord, we just pray that you let us learn to stay in alignment and to talk it out together, to have the conversations, Lord. But that we will learn to stay in alignment long enough, Lord, so that we are filled 
with this divine love so that in turn we can go into our spouse's life, Lord, and pour into them. And we can go into the lives of our children, Lord, and we can pour into them. And then we can go into our friends, Lord, and pour life into them. But we cannot do this without you, Lord. And we've tried so many times and we constantly do. We try to love our way with the ideals that we have, but we always feel empty at the end. It's back to one, back to, back to one. Back, love is patient, love is kind, and then we mess up and we start again. Lord, we need you at all times. So allow us to stay aligned to you at all times. So marriages, would you repeat after me? Lord, and every, every, actually everybody, just everybody, that way nobody feels alone. Lord, help me to be the spouse you have intended me to be. Show me where I need to improve. Help me to be a better communicator. Help me to love my spouse better. And help us both to grow closer to you and to each other this year. Amen. Now, singles, I just want to say this. If it's important to you, it's important to God. If it's important to you, if it's, it's important to God. And I know that it's, it's crazy now. Dating is different now. But if it's important to you and you've been praying and you've been asking God, stay with it. Keep praying. Keep asking God. The one thing that stands out to me in the beginning is it says that God saw that it was not good for a man to be alone. God saw. And I think there comes a moment in our lives where God is like, okay, this person is ready. I've told our small group before that I, I thought I was ready for to be into and be in a marriage I was I was single and ready to mingle <laughs> but God made me wait and I realize now if I would have gotten it if I would have stepped into it when I was asking for it I would have messed it up not that I was a bad person it's just I would have found a way to mess mess it up I still needed some maturing to do I needed some growth that I needed to go through and I won't tell you at what age I got married but let's just say I'm just, I'll just say God made me wait but it was worth the wait. And if it's important to you, it's important to God. So would you repeat after me? Lord, help me to trust you and not take matters into my own hands. While I am waiting, please help me to be conformed to the image of Jesus so that I may demonstrate what it means to serve and not be served. Help me to learn to love you so much that it spills over into those around me. Help me to find purpose and glorify you in this season. And the last people I want to pray for is our church community. And this is my heart's prayer that love would be the beacon of light of Impact City. That when people think of Impact City, love is one of the first things that they use to describe. They're just so loving. They don't even know me in all my craziness, but I just feel so loved. And so, Lord, today we ask God that love, divine love, would be the thing that we live out, Lord. That it wouldn't be something that we talk about and preach about and sing about. God, that we would live it out, Father. Not without you, not without the divine one, but with you.
that we would every day, Lord, strive to stay in alignment with your will, with your way, with your words, God, so that when we get in contact, Lord, and when we connect with others, we, can, we have something to pour into their lives and that we don't feel like we're wasting our energy and wasted words and wasted uh, time invested, Lord, because it's just, it's just an empty pour because we're trying to do things on our own strength. Lord, that we would stay connected with you and align with you so that you can fill us up and in turn we can go out and fill those others, Lord, that are waiting to be filled by you, by your love. By your love. We thank you, Lord.